Father, we just want to thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord, that the cross is, has meaning, that the cross is important. And thank you, Father God, that today we can remember what you have done for us. In actual fact, Lord, we want to remember this every day, that we live in that life, that we never take it for granted. What you have done in the sacrifice that you have done for us. So today, Lord, I just pray that our eyes will be open, the eyes of our hearts will be open to the reality of the cross, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, pray that you give me the utterance that I can share your word, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Um, so, sharing about the cross. Um, the cross for a Christian is something that is fundamental. You know, we always come at the cross, the cross that what has happened 2,000 years ago, a little bit more than 2,000 years ago, is a reality. It remains a reality, and it will always remain a reality. Because God has done a finished work. It was once and for all, but it has relevance. It has relevance today. It has relevance in our lives, in our families' lives. Okay? So, um, I say that when people look at the cross, there are two responses. The one response is the response of someone who is saved. When he looks at the cross, he says, the cross is everything. This is where I have been given a second chance. This is the place where I have given a new life. This is a place where I, I could actually, you know, deal with the whole issue about the sinful nature it is dealt with once and for all at the cross. The Bible says it's the power and it is the wisdom of God. The cross. That's the opinion of the Bible, by the way. It says that is God's wisdom. That is God's power. It's the cross. And what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then the cross is also looked at from someone who who's not saved, you know. And then when they look, it's, it's, it's like foolishness. The Bible says, to the mind, it's, it's, it's foolishness, it's futile. Because I don't know about you, but some of us, people were reaching out to us and sharing us the cross at that time. And, and you just thought, no, this is crazy, man. I can't commit to this. Yeah? You had all the reasons to say why you can't commit yeah? Some people say that, no, I don't think this is how things happen. I don't know whether I can trust this Christ. I don't know whether I can trust your message. Maybe somebody brought a message that is from Europe. I don't know all the arguments that me and you used to have, and maybe some still have today. Yeah? So the Bible says to those who are perishing, the cross is foolishness. But to those who are saved, the cross is the power and it is the wisdom of God. Yeah? So at the cross for a believer, you know, everything happens. He says, when I'm weak, I am strong. There's an exchange that happens. Where I was a sinner, I'm a sinner no more. I've been made a son, I've been made a daughter. Yeah? Some of us who says, I don't come from a background where I... My family are royal or whatever. I was a nobody. At the cross, you become a somebody. 
you come a son you come become a daughter of the king you are royal priesthood yeah so the cross to those who are believing the cross becomes actually very significant and this is the, what we want to preach today to say actually paul put it like that he says you know he himself was learned he was a pharisee of pharisees when it comes to the law blameless you can go read up you know how paul was saying that this is what qualified him to be who he is actually even to go and pursue the christians and bring them to book but after he met the cross after he met christ paul himself says i count this all done whatever was in my nature that was of you know high esteem i said i count that no more so that i can attain the wisdom of god so that i can attain the 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 power of god which is the cross yeah so i pray that our hard attitude will be like that today that i don't know where you are coming from maybe you are coming from a good or a bad background it doesn't matter but that we say let's trust god what he says if he says that's the wisdom of god doesn't matter what popular uh, uh people are saying about the cross we believe god we believe the word of god we believe the bible if god says the cross is god's wisdom imagine this infinite being this holy god the god that created the universe biology science and everything was in him he simplifies it for us and says it's the cross that is the wisdom it's condensed there everything comes down at the cross what jesus has done for us this is the whole wisdom of god this is the whole power of god that is there and paul got it got it and then he says i'm not going to pursue what is in my own ability and what is on my strength anymore i'm going to pursue what god say is the real deal so the cross today people it's the real deal can we go to the next slide please so now when we look at the cross there are several things that we see among them is we see that the clearest evidence of the world's guilt we see it at the cross so the mere fact that god decided to say the only way that we can deal with sin is to send an innocent son god's only begotten son to the cross to be to die a sinner's death yeah so that was the only way for us all not for the select few for us all yeah so if god found it important to do that yeah it just shows us to say what a big deal it is and how guilty we are it says at the cross of christ sin is reached reached its climax all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god so all have sinned yeah it doesn't matter how holy you look what the cute face you have the bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god 
And for that reason, and that's again God's opinion. This is Jesus' opinion. Says that if he says that all have sinned, trust you me, we all have sinned. Even those people who say that, yeah, but if Jesus died, I don't care, but it's not for me. The truth of it, it is for you. Trust you me, it is for you. That's why Jesus went to that extent to die. Because there was a big, big need to save the lost. Okay? So, they are all guilty. So sometimes people then ask, if God is so loving, you know, why did he have to go to that extent? I remember <laughs> while I was studying in Germany, I mean, you really find atheists and they are <laughs> radical. And they'll throw things at your face. They say, man, who told him to go die? You know? Says, you're preaching this gospel to me, but I'm not interested in that gospel. And who told him to go die? You know? I didn't ask for it. I don't want to partake in it. You know? Then hmm. you stand there and say, oh Lord, <laughs> have mercy. But then they say, if he's so loving... If he's so good, why didn't he just forgive us? He, he should have forgiven us. Why did he have to let his son die? He could just forgive us. Yeah? Then we don't understand, you know, the cross. We don't have a revelation of the cross. And we don't have an understanding of judgment. Yeah? So, I'm reminded of a story of... of, of, of uh, there was this... A university party that was going on, and it seems like there was a lot of drinking, and then this girl was drinking a lot, and then basically she she just passed out while she when she drank, and then one guy took advantage of her sexually. So when she eventually realized the next day who it was, actually this whole thing beca- became a rape case. And now the father of the son said, please have mercy on my son. He was telling the judge because he can't go to jail. I mean, this is it's a serious offense, but this is, I mean, these are children, you know. And can you imagine what will happen to the father of the daughter, how he would feel, you know. And they say that the, 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 the girl wrote a letter to, to the guy through the judge. And this is what, what she said. You should have never done this to me. But here we are. The damage is done. No one can undo it. And now we both have a choice. We can let this destroy us. I can remain angry and hurt. And you can be in denial. Or we can face it head on. I accept the pain. You accept the punishment. And we move on. Yeah? So the issue is that the reality is and Christ has dealt with it on the cross. Yeah? He has dealt with a victim and he has dealt with a perpetrator at the cross. Yeah? And this is how we need to understand God can't just look away and make it something has not happened because he's just. He's just. He's righteous. So there's no sin that goes unnoticed and unpunished. For the sake of the victim, God needs to do that. 
But at the same time, he died for the perpetrator. Yeah? The mere fact that he died, yeah? For the perpetrator, he says that I'm forgiven for what I've done. Yeah? So, for both, it's only in Christ, this you, you can understand the wisdom of God, that it's only in Christ that this can happen, and it happened only at the cross. Yeah? So, this is for us all. No one can say, no, I'm out of this. Uh, this it doesn't come close to me. It comes to you, because eventually, you cry out, foul. Eventually, you will have to cry out, foul, to say, listen, I've been treated unfairly. Yeah? And you demand justice or punishment to happen to the perpetrator. But we are perpetrators according to the law. You break one commandment, you have broken them all. Before the law, the sentence is death. You can't escape. And it was only Jesus who brought it together. So that today we can cry out and say, it is finished. It is dealt with. Can we go to the next slide, please? So what else do we see? We see the strongest proof of God's hatred of sin. So in Ezekiel 18.20 says, God has stated that the soul that sins shall die. This is how God thinks about sin. And the wages of sin is death. Yeah? So it is a serious offense. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yeah? So, sometimes when you are meeting people, in, or if you look at, you know, what is happening all around you, people deal with sin so casually. Yeah? Says it's not that bad. Listen, it is very bad, says God. It is bad. It is very bad. To the extent that Jesus had to go and, and die the father had to bring the whole wrath on his son. Yeah? So serious is it. And God wants to let that sin be removed from us. That's why Jesus had to go through that humiliating death. Yeah? And it was a painful death. Just to deal with this topic, sin, so that it is dealt with once and for all. So, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. For us. Second Corinthians 5.21 So Jesus was innocent. He was the perfect Lamb of God. But God the Father took the whole blame. I don't know whether you have siblings among you. Who get away with things. <laughs> yeah. And how you feel. To say somebody needed to be scolded but it falls on you. Maybe you are the eldest. I don't know. Yeah. And how you feel about it. Yeah? But the issue is God loaded the whole sin of the whole world and loaded it on this innocent son of him. And he had only one. Yeah? Just to demonstrate that God's hatred for sin. God loves the sinner, but God hates the sin. Yeah? God passionately hates sin and he had to deal with it. And it cost him a lot. Actually, it's almost, it cost him everything that he had. It was his love, his love for his son. And that's the price that God had to pay for me and for you. 
So let us not be ones who are throwing it back at him by not really understanding and realizing the love of the Father. Yeah? The Father loves us. I think that goes to the next slide. To say when we look at the cross, we see a glorious exhibition of God's love. Yeah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was, it was not only that he did this to clear the sin, to deal with it once and for all, but he did this out of love. God loves us. Yeah? God loves us so much that if that was what is needed to cost to reconcile us back to him. This is then the price that he paid. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah? So he didn't die for people with, you know, nice, beautiful manners. Who he died for, for the wicked. He really died for thieves, murderers, I mean, when Jesus came, he said, you know, he came to save that what was lost. Humanity was so lost. It was like, it says, like sheep without a shepherd. It says that they were so lost, they couldn't know right from wrong. He died actually for a bunch that was confused. Completely. They were doing evil, thinking they are doing right. Yeah? So this is a love of God that came to people, for me and you. That we can experience that love. Yeah? That we can be reconciled back to the Father. Yeah? That the Father can have a relationship again with you. In our own strength, we were not able. We couldn't do anything out of our own righteousness that will be qualifying us to stand before Almighty God. It was impossible. Yeah? It needed a Lamb of God. You know, in the Old Testament... That it was a bull or it was a sheep or whatever it was, they need to die. Blood must be spilled. Yeah? To clear that. But then it was the Lamb of God, yeah, that carried no sin, that came and died for me and the Lord to be reconciled, for you and God to be reconciled. Yeah? That's the love affair that we are talking here. Okay? So. Look at your neighbor. This is the person that God died for. How do they look? <laughs> Maybe you can imagine one of the meanest guys that you know. So God wants to reconcile them back to himself. I said that I called my son Bango Wills. Bango literally means that it is the will of God that all should come to the knowledge of God and everybody should come to repentance. So if we have to rub God's heart open and we look inside and see, we realize that God wants you and me and every person that you see on the street, God wants to reconcile them back to himself. He loved them passionately. With a deep love. 
And God's heart cry is still reaching out and echoing through the generations. He's asking, where are they? Where are the sons? Where are the daughters? And he will not stop. His love compels us to go. He will not stop till everybody comes to the full knowledge of who he is and what he has done for us on the cross. Okay? So let that be our hard attitude to say, Lord, we want to love you back. Yeah? This is the only way that we can reflect back is just to love you back. You have loved us first. We just want to love you back. Yeah? Because he has done an amazing work on Calvary. So what else do we see on the cross? We see the way to victory. The Christ, the cross is our victory. It says the cross is the instrument by which God delivers us from the penalty of our sins and from the hand of Satan. So we've got an adversary going around and he is there to kill, to steal and to destroy. But the Lord has given us victory. At the cross, this is where our victory is. Scripture promises that the sin shall no longer have dominion over us. Yeah? It means that at the cross, no Christian can say that temptation is too big for me. You, you, you can't say that. Yeah? There is no temptation that is given to man that you cannot overcome. Because God will only allow that which you are able to. And he knew you are able. Through him you are able. In your own strength you are not able. You, you go a hundred times and a hundred times you will be defeated in your own strength. Yeah? But with Christ every time you come out victorious. Yeah? This is what it means that the victory at the cross... That we have attained. So we don't attain our own victory. We attain a victory when Jesus said it was finished. He said for you it is finished. Yeah. You can put your name in there to say it is finished for me. Yeah. I have now no excuse. So I can't say that I can play around with sin. God will understand. He will not understand. Should I repeat that? You cannot say God will understand. He will not understand. The cross tells you that he he will not understand. Why? Because he did die. In that death was your victory. So it's impossible for you to be overcome by sin. It will be your choice. It will not be as a matter of the cross. Because the cross is that powerful that you can say for the very first time, you can say no to sin. You are able to say no to sin and sin has no room in your life, in your family, wherever, because of the cross. When Jesus said it's finished, he meant it for you. Okay? So, this is a victory that we have. And I just want to speak to you prophetically that you are a victorious bunch. As you are sitting there, you are victorious. 
The enemy will come in one direction, flee in seven directions. You are victorious. You will always come out victorious. Please just meditate on it day and night. And don't let that word out of your mouth that says the opposite. Yeah? Our mouth is proclaiming the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in my life. So every time when we speak that, power is being released for you to match whatever comes against you. Things will come at you, but you always come out tops. That's what the cross is telling us. That's the victory that we have attained. It's not a light victory. So it's the way how we look at ourselves and how we see ourselves. So if we meditate on how big the problem is, yeah, the problem will become bigger than the victory that Christ has. That's why meditation is so important. But if you meditate on victory on the cross, every problem will be small. In your own eyes, it will be small. The way you view yourself, you'll see yourself as a conqueror. You'll see yourself victorious in every occasion. You are unstoppable. That's the truth. I'm speaking the truth. (laughs) I'm speaking the truth. You are unstoppable in Christ. You are unstoppable. Yeah? This is the victory. It was painful. It was hard. Jesus was sweating blood as he was interceding. But at the end, it was a full-blown victory, not a half victory. Complete. Amen? All right. Can we go to the next slide, please? So now, um, Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So this is what he has done. Now he's asking us something. Isn't it fair? You say that God always requests you something if he has put something in you. Yeah? You remember when he was asking the, 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 the disciples, when it came to the 5,000 who were hungry, he said, you feed them. <laughs> yeah? And what was the disciples' response? We only have this, that, or the other. We are not able, we are not capable. And he says, how long must I put up with you? Yeah? So the question is, why did Jesus ask, you know, then, where's your faith? It's because he has put it in you. Yeah? So he will not ask you for something that you don't have. Yeah? And the truth of the matter is, with the cross, with your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have attained what you need. You will never sit without support. What you need, you got. So say, I have it. I have it. And that's the truth. I keep on emphasizing that that's truth. It's that truth that sets us free. That's truth. And sometimes we need to deal with our self-talk. Yeah? It says, who's talking here? That's not truth talking. Yeah? Truth says that we have it. Yeah? 
So now, he says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Never let the cross lose its crucifying power in your life. So what does it mean? God didn't only save us. He says in John 10.10 that he came that we would have life and love in abundance. Yeah, That's the purpose. He came to destroy the works of the devil. But he came to give us life and life abundantly. Or life in abundance. What does that mean? Yeah. Sometimes we only camp at the place where we say, God came so that I can pass my exams or I can apply for a job and get it or I can succeed at home or get money, clothes, get a car, get the woman of my life. You know, that's abundant life. That's not what the scripture is saying there. Yeah? Abundance always in God is for you and for others. Yeah? So, that's why you are healthy. So that you can bring health to others. God will come in and restore your health. But that you will go and restore health in others. God will come and bless you financially. So that you can be a blessing. God will save you. So that you can go and preach the gospel for others to be saved. Do you understand that? So this is why it says pick up your cross daily. It means you deny yourself, you know, just to sit with what God has given you. Yeah? But we go out and reach out and do the work of the kingdom. We are called to be ministers, all of us. Yeah? And God is asking us. After you have had, you know Israel, after they drank and ate and had the fill, what did they do? They fell back into sin. Because their focus becomes inward. They don't focus on what God is doing and what God wants to advance. Okay? So the Lord is asking us to pick up our cross daily. Yeah? Is to commit to the kingdom. To reach out for the lost. This is God's heart cry. Remember the love? God's heart, the work is not done. And the Bible says, if you don't help me gather, you are actually scattering. Yeah? So maybe we need to assess our lives. Yeah? Are we gathering? If we are not in the business of gathering, reaching out the lost, discipling the lost, discipling the nations, we are not gathering. We are actually scattering. And God is asking us to join him and gather the crop. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Yeah? So, let's partake with what God is doing. So, we are salt, we are light. We are called to be light. We are called to be salt. And that, for that purpose, the cross is always... We came to the light... Now the Lord wants others to come to the light. We are called to do good works. What for? So that people might see. Some people might never come to church, but they will see you. They will see you at work when you do good works. Your family might see you do good works. And they will say, thank you, I praise God for you. They themselves, they don't believe in God. Or they chose not to believe but because of your acts of goodness and good works, they will say, I thank God for you. In their mouth, they will praise God because of you. 
and God gets the glory. Yeah? So we are in the business of glorifying God. Yeah? That's our business. Uh, the next slide, please. So, our task is to die to self. Die to intellectual show. Die to impressive eloquence. Die to secular demands. Self-assured, powerful, attractive performances. Now, for the Christian, you know, sometimes we can live this Christian life for ourselves. But if you listen to Paul, what he was saying, he says that, I choose to, to preach Christ to you. And him crucified. Yeah? That I don't come with an eloquence of speech. That I'm, I'm speaking so well so that people are looking at me how well I can speak. You know? He says that I come in trembling and fear. Yeah? So that when I preach, it comes with a demonstration of power. Yeah? So that people are able to see God and not me. So if I was strong, I refuse to be strong in my own strength. I choose to be weak so that in my weakness, God's strength can be demonstrated to you. So that I can step out of the way so that you can meet Christ. Otherwise, I'm all over the place. Christ cannot be seen anyway. And it is fruitless. Yeah? It is fruitless. We, in our conduct, we need to glorify God. Jesus needs to be seen. Yeah? So at times, we refuse to look good on our own behalf. For the sake of Christ. So that people might meet their Lord and Savior. Yeah? God can use us, but we step out of the way. Yeah? So that people can meet their Maker. Okay, so I remember when uh, John, John the Baptist says that he must increase and I must decrease. Can we live our life in such a way that we decrease and that Christ can increase? Okay, so um, I'm going to play a clip. It is a bit sensitive to those who... Um, to some viewers so just close your eyes but I think this is good um, to experience what God actually has done for us Savior I come quiet my soul
required for you and for me. Sometimes the visuals, what you see, you feel like, it's there and I'm here. But the reality of it is, that would have been you if he didn't die. That would have been mine and your penalty. And This is what he has done for us. So I just want to pray for us. Father, that we will not take the cross for granted. And Father, that we will remember the finished work on the cross. Father, that we live in that reality, Lord, that we don't live a life for ourselves but we live a life for you Lord that the life that you have exchanged for us Lord that we choose to surrender Lord to you out of gratitude thanking you Lord thank you Lord that you took the blows thank you Lord that you took the nails Thank you, Lord, that you took the crown of thorns. Thank you, Lord, that you took the spear on the hip for me. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the penalty of sin, which is death. And thank you, Lord, that you have given me a new life. Thank you, Lord, that I can love a new life and a life in Christ. 
thank you, Lord, for the cross, Lord. And we shall forever be grateful. In the name of Jesus. So, Father, I pray for those who have not committed their lives to you, Lord, and who are struggling to commit, that today, Lord, they will commit, Lord, their lives to you. That they surrender their hearts to you, Lord. And that they would say, Lord, I accept. I accept your sacrifice. I accept your free gift, Lord, today. And today I'm coming, Lord. And I'm coming to you. Father, I pray that let it be our hearts cry. And Father, for those who are already saved, Father, that will it be our hearts cry to say, Lord, we want to live for you. We want to reach out, Lord God, for you. We want to be your hands and feet, Lord, for a dying world. In the name of Jesus. But Father, we pray today that we will never take the cross for granted. Never. In Jesus' name. Because that's the wisdom of God. And this is the power of God. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we praise you. And we adore you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So saints, if you need prayer, please come to the front. We will be here ministering to you. But the rest of you, please go and be blessed. Love in the victory and the resurrection of Christ.